Welcome back to Mama Mystery. I am your host, Kelly, and today is going to be a solo episode. As much as I tried to get Austin on the episode this week, our schedule was just so busy. So um, I do want to touch on this for just a moment to let you in on what our lives are like. Um, We got a review last week that really just stuck with me. It really bugged me because I took it personally. Um, Somebody who had originally left a five-star review edited their review to three stars because we weren't consistent and they think that we are just trying to make the show big and that we're too focused on going on tour, which um, that last part, we're not on any kind of tours yet. (laughs) Hopefully someday that would be amazing. Um, We have been hosting a couple live shows here in our hometown, um, but that certainly hasn't distracted me from the podcast. What has distracted me is having my kids home all summer. And if any of you are um, even just a parent, you know, not even just a parent that works from home, but just a parent, you know how hard summers can be trying to keep your kids entertained um, and, you know, watch them while you're working from home if you are working from home or you know, just dealing with all the stress that comes with that. So that was a huge distraction this summer. I learned a lot about what I'm going to do differently next summer um, as far as childcare and maybe preparing episodes in advance because I hated not being consistent. And I need you all to know that, that I'm fully aware of it and I hate it. It eats at me. Um, I like, I, it stresses me out more than you know. So when I got that review, it, it really resonated with me because it was like somebody c- critiquing something that I'm already aware of. Um, but I, I just wanted to make it clear that, you know, I, I agree. I'm not disagreeing with the review. Like I, it is what it is, but I'm trying my best and I'm going to try to get better. So, um, so with that out of the way, I wanted to tell you just kind of like what our week is like. So, you know, I, I know that I try to grow this podcast. We're 150 episodes in now. And so of course the goal is always going to be to grow the podcast, of course. Um, but that's not the only thing that we do. We're, we're also very busy with Austin's, um, ventures. You know, we own a company called lean kitchen, which is a meal prep company. And we have franchisees all over the country. And, um, every once in a while we get someone who is interested in learning about franchising. And so they come to our house, we host them for dinner. Um, and Austin is very, very busy. He spends almost an entire day just talking about lean kitchen. He talks, talks, talks all day. So the last thing understandably that he wants to do when he gets home is talk more on a podcast, you know? Um, and so that was something that we had this week and, you know, our kids are finally back in school and we've been dealing with, you know, just getting that all worked out and, um, the drop off and pickup line, which I talked about in our last mama minute, um, if you listen to that, but yeah, just kind of getting back into the swing of things is, um, is refreshing, challenging, but, you know, worth it all in the end. So um, all of that to say that, you know, we have this new episode today that's coming out, and then I am going to dive in to the Mama Minutes more um, because those are really easy to pump out, and if you enjoy those, I'm glad to hear that. Um, And those are really easy because I don't have to write a script. I don't have to research for those. It's literally just me talking about things that went on during our week or just topical things that happened during the week, current events, things like that. So 
Um, definitely keep an eye out for more of those because that is my goal to release more of those. And if you live in St. Joseph, Missouri, um, we do have a live show coming up on October 26th. It's the Thursday before Halloween. Those tickets are live and um, I think they're going to sell out soon. There's, there was only like 150 available. So I think or over half of them are gone right now. But if you're listening to this and you haven't gotten your tickets yet, make sure you go um, check that out. I'll have the link on, on all of our socials. But um, if you search for Mama Mystery on the Eventbrite website, you should be able to find it. So without further ado, we're going to get into today's episode. All right. So last week, the father of Tennessee Titans quarterback, cornerback, not quarterback, um, Caleb Farley, was killed after Caleb's home exploded. The 6,391 square foot home was in Mooresville, North Carolina, about 30 miles north of Charlotte. Caleb had just purchased the property earlier this year, and it exploded out of nowhere in the middle of the night. The cause is being investigated, but it's believed that there may have been a natural gas leak. Then on August 12th, another home in Plum, Pennsylvania exploded in the middle of the day, completely destroying three other homes, making 10 other homes nearby uninhabitable and killing a total of six people. The explosion was caught on a nearby ring camera and that video went viral. You may have seen it. If not, I'll put it on our socials. Um, but it's just really jarring because it's a home exploding. I mean, you, it's just like, you never think that you're going to see something like that. Investigators are trying to determine the cause, but it's believed to be maybe due to a malfunctioning, um, hot water tank. And then a third home explosion occurred last week in Santa Maria, California. Thankfully, nobody was killed, but multiple people were seriously injured, and the cause of that explosion is believed to be a gas leak. And for as common as these freak accidents or home explosions seem to be, our first inclination is to believe that it must be from a gas leak or from some sort of malfunction within the home, right? And it's terrifying to know or to believe that any at any moment your house could just explode. Back in 2001, that is what the neighbors of Robert and Mary Fisher felt when the Fisher's home exploded around 8.45 a.m. on April 10th of 2001. Pure terror and shock that something like this could happen so close to home. But this was no accident. This is the story of Robert Fisher. Robert Fisher was born on April 13, 1961, to parents William and Jan. William worked as a banker, and it's not clear what his mom did for work, but he grew up with two sisters, and in 1976, when Robert was just 15, his parents divorced, and Robert and his sisters went to live with their dad in Arizona. Their divorce was anything but amicable, unfortunately. It was nasty between William and Jan, with Jan eventually losing contact with her kids, and that had some serious long-term effects on the kids, but on Robert especially. Friends described him as being very bitter about the whole situation. After high school, Robert enlisted in the United States Navy and tried to become a Navy SEAL, but for whatever reason, did not complete the training. After his stint in the Navy, he became a firefighter in San Diego, California, but he was injured on the job and required a very serious back surgery. 
After the surgery, he was left with chronic back pain and had to quit his job as a firefighter. So he studied to become a surgical technician and found a job as one at the Mayo Clinic in Scottsdale, Arizona. In 1987, he married his high school sweetheart, Mary Cooper. And that same year, they bought their home in Scottsdale. Mary's friends described her as being very strongly convicted in her faith and a doting mother to the two children that she and Robert would go on to have, Brittany and Bobby. Brittany was athletic and very outgoing. She too was involved in their church and loved the Lord. She was never afraid to proclaim her faith. Bobby was very fun-loving, full of life, so energetic. He found joy in relatively small things like driving in a convertible with the top down. As I mentioned, the Fishers were very involved in their church, which was Scottsdale Baptist Church, where the Reverend Greg Cantelmo described them as an integral part of the church. The whole family was involved with Robert being in the men's ministry and Mary serving as a Sunday school teacher. At their home, their neighbor, Susan Hasse, said that the Fisher family was, quote, just the sweetest people you'd ever want to meet in your life, end quote. But another neighbor had a different recollection of the Fisher family. He remembered Robert and Mary having big blowout fights with Mary screaming at Robert, things like, you're worthless and I could have done so much better than you. But he said Robert never raised his voice back at Mary, that instead he would leave and disappear for a few days to a week at a time. Robert loved the outdoors, and he was an avid outdoorsman, proficient in hunting, fishing, and camping. So when things got to be too much at home, he would just leave and go camping and disconnect from the world and his family. And that's not to say that Robert wasn't without faults. He was known to be controlling and cruel at times. In one instance, he tried teaching his kids how to swim by throwing them into a lake against their will. The kids were screaming and crying and had to be pulled out of the lake. At home, Robert wouldn't allow Mary to do any decorating without his permission. The walls had to stay white, and she wasn't allowed to hang anything without his approval first. But he was allowed to hang his animal mounts from his hunting trips. There was literally barely anything on the walls. So that to me says there were probably things that she wanted to hang that he said no. In 2000, they hit a pretty big snag in their marriage when Robert confessed that he cheated on Mary and contracted a UTI, which, by the way, is not a sexually transmitted disease. It's something that can be transmitted sexually, but it's not classified as a sexually transmitted infection. It's something that's treatable with an antibiotic. But regardless... When he got this UTI, he felt so guilty that he was going to pass it to her, you know, to his wife, or that Mary was going to find out that he had cheated on her because he got a UTI. So he confessed to his pastor and his wife that he had a one night stand with a prostitute that he met at a massage parlor. Mary wanted to leave Robert over this, but Robert begged her to stay and they received marital counseling, but things were just never the same after that. She often said she wanted a divorce, which was something that Robert was vehemently against after what his parents put them through. And he was determined to make it work because, as he told one of his friends, he could not live without his family. On April 9th, 2001, around 10 p.m., neighbors heard another big argument at the Fisher house. The screaming was so loud that multiple neighbors could hear it. 
About 45 minutes later, Robert was captured on an ATM surveillance video withdrawing the maximum amount, which was at the time $280. In the background, you could see that he drove Mary's new silver Toyota 4Runner to the ATM. He got out and he walked up to the ATM wearing a dark Oakland Raiders ball cap. The next morning, April 10th, at around 8.30 that morning, Robert and Mary Fisher's house exploded. The fire was massive. It shook the nearby houses and sent debris flying blocks away. And the fire was so hot that it was melting the responding firefighters' face shields. The explosions kept coming as the fire ignited cans of paint and ammunition from within the house. And when they finally got it under control, they found the bodies of Mary, Brittany, and Bobby inside. All three of them had suffered from having their throats cut almost ear to ear, and Mary had been shot in the back of the head. At first, they were completely unrecognizable, so investigators weren't sure if the body of the adult was Mary or Robert, and with Mary's car being gone but Robert's truck at home, they were even more puzzled. The ATF was able to determine that the cause of the explosion was a gas line from the back of the house's furnace that had been pulled out of place intentionally. Accelerant was poured throughout the house, and a candle was lit in the living room. So as the gas leaked into the house for about 10 hours, it finally reached the candle, igniting the explosion while giving Robert ample time to get a head start on the police. With Robert nowhere to be found, police announced that he was missing, and they wanted to get a hold of him to let him know what happened to his house, just in case he wasn't aware. Mary's dad refused to believe that he could have anything to do with this disaster. And after Mary and his grandkids' funeral, he actually went on camera saying that he loved Robert, that he, quote, never beat his kids, never touched his kids. He loved his kids and loved Mary and that he missed Robert almost as much as he missed Mary. Four days after the murders, Robert was officially named as a person of interest and a warrant was issued for his arrest. On April 20th, Mary's forerunner was found by a couple exploring the Tonto National Forest near Young, Arizona, about three hours north of Scottsdale. The couple was driving far off the beaten path when the car was found nestled among the trees with the windows down and the mirrors folded in. The family's black Labrador retriever, Blue, was found under the vehicle in a makeshift bed. Blue was starving and scared. And next to the vehicle's driver's side door was a pile of human feces. Inside the car, they found Robert's Oakland Raiders hat that he was wearing in that ATM video and a coffee cup with one fingerprint on it that matched Robert. The only fingerprint that was found in the entire vehicle because it had been wiped clean. And despite the windows being rolled down, there weren't any leaves or pine needles found in the car, suggesting that it hadn't been there for very long. In this area are tons of caves, and it's believed that Robert parked the car and left for one of these caves. But when the caves were searched, nothing was found. However, they weren't able to search all of the caves due to the vast quantity of them, in addition to the bad weather that followed during their search. Nearby was the Fort Apache Indian Reservation, which was an area police never searched, despite there being footprints that led onto the reservation. 
And an entire year went by when finally Robert was placed on the 10 most wanted list by the FBI. He was featured on the show On the Hunt with John Walsh, which led to a lot of people to call in tips because they thought that they'd spotted him in various places. But so far, those tips have not led to anything. In the years that followed Robert Fisher's disappearance, residents of his former neighborhood claimed to have seen a man who closely resembled Robert driving nearby. In February of 2004, a man bearing a significant resemblance to Robert was arrested in Vancouver, Canada. This man had a missing tooth in the same spot where Robert once had a gold bicuspid, and he had a scar on his back just like Robert's. However, his fingerprints did not match Robert's. Canadian authorities detained the man for roughly a week until he was correctly identified by a relative. In response to theories that the man had altered his fingerprints in some way, Scottsdale detective John Kirkham said that there was no evidence of scarring to support that theory. In 2012, the FBI notified local law enforcement agencies that Robert might be residing near the area where Mary Fisher's car was initially found. Then, in October of 2014, police in Commerce City, Colorado, conducted a raid on a residence following a tip that Robert might be hiding there. Although two individuals were arrested during the operation, there was still no trace of Robert. In 2021, Robert Fisher was removed from the top 10 most wanted list, but he does remain on the FBI list. He remains missing to this day, and there is a debate about whether or not he is still even alive. Some believe he may have wandered into the woods where he left Mary's car and then committed suicide, kind of pulling like a Brian Laundrie. After all, the gun that was used to kill Mary was not found in the house, suggesting that he must have taken it with him. He only took $280 in cash with him, and since then he hasn't touched any of his assets. He left behind IRAs, checking accounts, and savings accounts in his whole family's names. Others believe he remains on the run and possibly hitchhiked his way to Mexico. And since his disappearance happened before 9-11, border control was a little more lax than it is now, so it's possible that he was able to skate through security. There have been multiple theories circulating, so I'll just touch on a couple of them because I guess they all could be true. Um, obviously, there's the theory that he killed himself in the woods with that gun. Maybe he went deep into a cave that has just never been searched and took his own life, similar to Brian Laundrie and Gabby Petito's story. There's also theories that he's just living within the woods because he was an avid outdoorsman and could probably survive. Um, however, I just... I, I don't think that he could go this long without leaving some sort of trace. You know, I just find it hard to believe that if he were living in the woods, building shelters, building fires, things like that, that, that none of that would have been found by now. Um, however, I don't know how vast this forest really is. I don't know how much of it has been searched. So I don't know, with all the weather that he would have had to survive through, I just don't know if he could have made it this long without being caught. There's also theories that he went to Mexico and has been sighted down there. There was one story of a woman who took a picture at a bar and this man happened to be in the background of that picture and resembled Robert Fisher. And this person came up to the person who took the picture and 
was very aggressive with her, told her to delete the picture. Um, and so there was speculation that maybe he was spotted in this bar and, um, you know, obviously didn't want his picture taken, but there's never been anything to corroborate that theory. Um, so I don't know if that's true or not. So, you know, obviously just take that with a grain of salt. And then, of course, there's the theory that he's just somewhere living in a big city and that he's just blending in um, because he doesn't really have any features that make him stand out. Um, obviously, I'm going to post him on Instagram and Facebook, so you'll you'll see his face on our socials. But um, it's very likely that he could have grown facial hair or changed his appearance subtly, but enough to where he wouldn't stand out. One thing that might be identifiable about him, though, is his gait. So because of that back surgery, it affected the way that he walked. I guess he would walk kind of upright and erect, like standing up really straight. So um, so I don't know if, you know, I, I picture that guy on, um, what is that movie about the men with the aliens, Men in Black? The guy that's like sugar water and he's like, he's this farmer that's been taken over by an alien. Okay. I don't know if anyone's getting this reference, but anyway, that's like what I picture in my mind. Surely it's not that noticeable, but, um, so I guess he has a unique gait that would, you know, set him apart from his otherwise average looking appearance. Now, while it is impossible for us to wrap our heads around why somebody would do this to their own family, their wife and children. Um, that is something I don't think we could ever understand. It's impossible to really learn from something like this. However, one takeaway that I hope we do all get from this episode is to be very careful about your homes and your stoves and your gas lines and things like that. I know it's you know, the other day I was cooking and our little baby August, who's about 20 months old now, he's a toddler, he can reach the knobs to our stove and he was kind of playing with them. And I just thought to myself, man, it would be nothing for him to accidentally turn one of those knobs on and then the gas just run and then one little spark could just ignite, you know, a big explosion. So please be careful, you know, update the batteries and those carbon monoxide detectors and your fire alarms and all those things. Take all the precautions to just stay safe because obviously anything can happen. And this is a true crime podcast, but sometimes just freak accidents happen. And so um, a lot of times when I make these episodes, I try to like pull something from the story that I could learn from that I could do differently or maybe be be more vigilant or aware of, um, just out in public, you know, to keep yourself safe. But sometimes, sometimes even the most basic things get overlooked and one little mistake can result in tragedy just because of one little thing that you could have fixed. So anyway, that's all I have for today. I know this is a really short episode, um, probably cause I don't have my, my typical co-host interrupting me all the time and making it more fun. But next week, I will make sure that he is back. I will handcuff him to my chair if I have to, to make sure that he is on it. So I appreciate you all for listening. Come back next week for another episode. I appreciate you all so much. Mama Mystery out. Bye.